This week's episode of the True Bypass Podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Byron Amplification. At Byron Amps, we put our heart and soul into handcrafted gear for working musicians, made to order right here in Columbia, Missouri. Tube amps, cabs, and pedals, handmade to order. Our specialties are vintage sounds off the beaten path with the versatility to help you find your voice. Go to ByronAmplification.com and see how we can help you find the tone you've always been looking for in a unique package customized just for you. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, True Bypass Podcast. <laughs> 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 so many words it. said so quickly. It's a little early on this Saturday morning, um, but uh, we're joined by a very, very special guest. This is the True Bypass podcast. I should clarify that. There we go. You know we got we it. Were. Um, <laughs> but we have a very special guest, um, someone we both really, really yes. just totally love their, her music and uh, the live show. It's so great. Um, but Molly Healy is here joining us. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Um, how are you today, Molly? I am doing pretty well. I've got some coffee, and and it's a beautiful day. It is. Um, it's like that perfect, like fall, fall weather. Saturday morning weather. Yeah. It is gorgeous. You can see the leaves starting to turn, and the weather is is finally not ninety six degrees outside. Right. Yeah. It is Missouri though, so like <laughs> I'm waiting for like end of next week for it to be like it's a hundred seven degrees outside. Yeah. But buyer beware on that. Right. Yeah. But um. But you just um, you just got done with a, a, a run of shows, and I want to talk about them because uh, last weekend was Roots and Blues. Yes, and you had quite a few shows there. Yep. Um, and Roots and Blues is like to me, it's one of the like best things that comes through Columbia kind of thing. Um, and I'm really interested to hear like kind of what your what your, your experience has been because you haven't you played it more than once. Yes. Okay. Um, I kind of just want to hear like what your experience is on like uh, on like an artist level as, as far as like how it how it runs and how it how it feels to play up there and stuff like that. You know. Sure. Um, this was either my ninth or tenth, um, and I think it's been going for thirteen years. So I'm been there almost every time. Wow. In some capacity, there have been years where I've only played the race, um, but I kind of just looked back on all the um, times where I've gotten the wristbands and and counted those. And yeah, it's been. I, lo- I I got a little confused around 2006 uh, <laughs> or something like that. Um, but anyway, um, it's a wonderful event. Um, uh, it's it is definitely my favorite festival that um, anybody in Missouri puts on. Um, it's it's just you know top tier nationally touring acts. And but my favorite thing about it is that they have always paired local musicians with those top tier acts, and yeah. I just think that's so important. And um, so the audiences that come there are lured there by, you know, maybe John Prine or Marin Morris or whoever might be there that they know from the radio. But then when as soon as they arrive, they're treated to somebody completely maybe new to them from Columbia or the surrounding areas. And they sit and they listen and they realize what a vibrant music scene we have here in Columbia. Right. And I just think that's just wonderful. I mean, so many festivals either do one or the other. It's either a local festival or it's just totally all national acts. And I just think this one's really special for that reason. So, and it's always had just a wonderful vibe. Um, they treat the artists really well. Mm -hmm. Another thing that is, um, great about this particular festival is, um, the artist area is really great. You get to mix and mingle with their other artists. And, and, uh, I mean, some of them you don't see as much as the others, but I mean, yeah, there's just a, it's just kind of like a whole communal area backstage. And Mm -hmm. so you might be sitting next to, um, you know, uh, 
Margot Price at the next table or something like that. So it's really it's an it's a wonderful event. That, awesome. that blows my mind. Already. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's one, I'm, I'm a Margot Price fan, <laughs> and two, it's just like <laughs> with somebody like that, it's like you almost don't imagine them doing something as mundane as just like sitting at a picnic table yeah. or something. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. like Margot Price, like picnic, like Columbia, like yep. really, like. I mean, that was a true experience. That's I found myself sitting next to her at a table. Like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, nev- I never want to see Jason Isbell, like, eating ribs or something like that. I think I want to say that he stays mostly in his tour bus. But, yeah. like, some of the bigger, really big acts, like, I mean, I consider Margot Price a pretty big act. But, yeah, very big. Um, some, of the, some of the guys will stay pretty well in their tour buses. But it's still, it's, everything about the event has always just had, incredibly warm fuzzies for me i just i love that festival so much that's good have you ever been a kind of have you ever been in like in a backstage situation you've been like kind of starstruck by somebody who's like standing next to you or anything like that of course um one year um i remember i got to ride in one of the uh you know they shuttle people from Mm -hmm. the uh the hotels over to the festival and i got to ride with sam bush oh wow (laughs) (laughs) it was great that's crazy yeah (laughs) He's of course, you know, being a fiddle player was is, was one of my that was one of the the keystone or keynote keystone whatever yeah the moments of your life that you formative remember. right formative moments. <laughs> what is that yeah. word I'm looking for <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it, uh, going off of that I mean your your music I think um, a lot of people I guess would would associate it with kind of the the vibe that. That is around Roots and Blues. I mean, we, we talked a little bit before the sh- we started recording. Um, there's a lot of folk association, I guess, with some of the music that yep. you've 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 played. But your solo stuff, um, I, I I think I told you before. I was like I, I was like having moments of like Cure and like Radiohead kind of coming at me. That like it was just it, it could do the folk thing, but it could like just go off in this like crazy spacey awesome stuff. And I. I, I love that, and I'm interested to see kind of like how you, kind of like how you how, developed how did that as come an together. Yeah. yeah, how have you, how have you developed as an artist to kind of I mean be able to do all of that? That's a great question. Um, I used to do strictly um, classical when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and then I started doing the live you know improvisational music scene, with, mostly in the bluegrass vein. Whenever I was in my twenties, and um, that developed all the way up until my 30s and then um somewhere in my 30s I decided you know, I, I've always just been interested in all different kinds of music mm-hmm. um and I always refer back to this moment when I saw on YouTube a um a slam poet and I'm unfortunately I don't even remember his name anymore and so I hate I hate that that is the way it is but I can't find that video anymore mm-hmm. but it was a slam poet and um, by the way, if someone finds that video, could they send <laughs> it to me so I can <laughs> refamiliarize myself with this person's name? Um, but he had a, a fiddle player with, or violinist with him, and she was looping, and she, you know, she was the kind of the background of his his poetry. And then she played along, and then he kind of stepped away from the mic, and then she took over, and she just had these this beautiful blend of. Uh, really kind of atmospheric violinist, you know, and she had pedals that made her violin sound like a bass or Mm -hmm. gave it delay or whatever. And I was just like, wow, that's really (laughs) cool. And I'd always been such a purist before that. I always thought, well, if you don't just show up to a gig with just your dry violin and if you can't make that work, then, you know, if you have to rely on all the 
you know, talent coming from pedals and, you know, I was kind of a curmudgeon about it. Yeah. And it, that just totally from that moment forward and that kind of dovetailed into um, me playing with Cornmeal out of Chicago um, and I toured around with them for about nine months and uh, they required, kind of required the use of pedals whenever I was mm-hmm. playing with them and, and um, I was a little bit uh, resistant at first but as soon as I got into it I was like this is really cool adding effects is cool and then so yeah. I got my first looper and then that just kind of happened from there it just went there yeah, I don't really know right. why. <laughs> yeah. I think it was maybe a uh, it it was maybe just a somewhat of a reaction to all of the bluegrass and country that I had been playing for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. I was ready to instill in, just branch out, do something different. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that I I when I, when we went and saw your show, one of the things that I noticed immediately was like the when you would start like looping the the violin and stuff like that. There was just this like great like tension that just kept you kind of like just just like right there in it and that like that just I, I was basically like nobody could talk to me that entire show when I was watching because it was just like it just the violin has such a and the, and the cello um, they have really really just uh, I guess it's the resonance of the instrument that just it just builds tension and it, it when you stack them on top of each other like you you, you kind of do it just, I don't know, it just it just sounds great. I don't know. What a wonderful compliment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that struck me about that show was, I, I think a lot of the audience was hip to what was going on, that it wasn't just going to be violin or cello or whatever you happen to be playing at, at first on that song. And I felt that they were like, they, they were definitely in anticipation of where it was going to go. It was like, you know. There was there was sort of a sense that I was gathering from the crowd that it was like, all right, we gotta like, you know, we gotta be quiet. And this was at Rose, where we've all been to Rose. Yeah. It can be kind of a rowdy place, <laughs> right? Um, but it was just like there is something at work here, and we don't want to miss an, a, a moment of it. Yeah, which so I thought was you know, great from an audience standpoint. Right. It's so perfect that you said that because that's exactly what I'm trying to go for. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. And um, I think it's coming from, I. you kind of have no choice but to do this with the loop station, but um, it, it is very purposeful on my part. But um, just this idea of build, which, you know, like you start small and organic. Um, there's a form of music called minimalism that sort of does this. And, and that's what a lot of my looping is based off of it. And minimalism, by definition, is when you take a small... Uh, motive, which is like a small, tiny little piece of something, and you you put it in, and you start it, and you just keep going over, it and you add other things, mm-hmm. but you're always drawing from this one little seed, and um, and so some people call it repetitive, you know, it's it's just not for everybody, but it's uh, it I I think it's really interesting to me. It's always been it's always tickled my brain, I guess is what I'm looking for to to be able to take one little piece of of melody or sound and see all the vast things that you can do with that one one seed definitely yeah um yeah when uh, i guess we can we can kind of just because we're, we're kind of like teeter-toeing around it but we'll knock out the the, the i guess the gear questions first maybe because i feel like yeah that's a good foundation maybe i feel like we're we're at that point. we're at that point yeah um so what um what kind of i guess you you mentioned the loop station and stuff and and those but what kind of uh, effects are you using kind of on, on like everything this well, is where we get a little nerdy yeah. <laughs> it's okay i love being nerdy um i wish i had my pedal board there are a couple of the pedals that i'm there are a couple of the pedals that aren't really 
quite as well known, and I for, I forgot the name of one of them. But anyway, for the violin and the guitar, um, my pedal board is probably unlike anyone others on the planet <laughs> because <laughs> it's got I have uh, these things called blenders, um, which um, are typically or they're more geared towards having two different microphones on one instrument and being able to plug those two different microphones into the same box and mix them as you please, mm-hmm. um, so you get the really great rounded sound. Um, but I actually use them uh, for different, sort of like a mixing board, because I have so many different things that I have to plug into one channel. So I've got a, a guitar, and I've got a violin, and I've got a stomp box, and a cello, and you know sometimes an electric guitar. So it's five different instruments that I'm going into the loop station. The loop station only has two inputs. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are more expensive loop stations that I can do whatever I want with, and it probably would be easier if I just took a little mixing board on stage with me. Um, but everything that happens on my pedal board sort of happens organically, so this is the way it is now. <laughs> right, and, and, and once you get comfortable with something, <laughs> right. it's just I, yeah. it's working. So whatever. Yeah. But and then on the fiddle, I've got um, delay and uh, some distortion. I've also got a fuzz pedal, but I more use that for my electric guitar at times. Um, and then, uh, wah, I've got a wah on there and believe that is it for the fiddle effects. Okay. Um, and then for the cello, the cello is a little bit more basic. That's only because I don't have very much space on the pedal board, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so I'd like to grow that at some point. Um, and then in the loop station itself, it is built with this, amazing array of effects that you can tweak and just do so many different things with them um right now during one of my songs two deaths we do like kind of a sweep uh sweep filter mm-hmm. and it just like makes it go from one uh end of the stereo to, and it, it compresses it and then opens it up really wide yeah so um and then i have a vocal processor that i use at times okay um, and then which which loop station are you, are you using? Is it the it's the, it's the Boss one, right? It's a Boss RC three hundred. Okay, so it's the it's is it the bigger one? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, Not to be confused with the fifty, which is also it looks exactly the same. Right, but mm-hmm. it, the the five hundred I guess has has the built in effects. The three hundred does, and uh, yeah, actually the they all do have some built in effects, but this has a whole menu of them. Okay. And was there was there sort of like a, a decision making process when you landed on that one, or was it just kind of like it's here, this is what I need? Or it happened organically um, too. Um, I started out with a thirty, the Boss RC thirty, um, which was a great pedal to start off with um, because the three hundred can be pretty overwhelming if you're mm-hmm. just yeah. just getting into looping. Um, so I kind of built my whole first two albums, probably I would say, on the th- the thirty, and then the only reason I really switched to the three hundred. Um, even though I'm glad I did in hindsight, is because uh, when we added our drummer, Danny Carroll, we were just having the worst time staying together on stage. It really doesn't matter how much you turn up a monitor. It's once everything gets going, it's just impossible to stay, mm-hmm. stay with it. Right. So we had to figure out a way to, um, you know, quantize ourselves. And so fortunately there's a sub output on the 300 where you can basically it's an output that separates out some signals if you want and so we can take a click track and separate it out okay 
and give it to our in-ear monitors. That way the house doesn't have to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that click is is enough. So if, even if we didn't have anything else in our ears, we could at least stay together with a click. Okay. And ever since we fixed that problem, it's just been like <laughs> yeah. smooth sailing. Right. <laughs> it took us a long time to get there, though. I was always I always wonder when because when I saw I I think I've seen him play a couple times. Danny, um, he always has fantastic the, the drummer by the way. Fantastic, he is. He's yeah. amazing. Um, but he uh, he always has the big headphones yep. on, <laughs> and I'm I now I know it's it's the that's that click. Mm -hmm. right? okay. Well, and is there noise canceling a little bit so yeah. he can um, he can kind of focus. Yeah, which if you get really good in your buds, um, then uh, they are noise canceling as well. But um, you know, you, they're just not as cool as the whitehead. Right. right. And they, it's, it's, it's a, it's a calling card. I think. Right. And exactly. uh, as, as many gear related, um, people can attest how it looks is like half of it. It like, really is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, I built, I've built plenty of pedal boards and then disassemble them. Cause I'm like, it doesn't look right. Doesn't look, doesn't look cute. It's not yeah. right. Yeah. I, I have bought a pedal or two just based on, it's like, well, that one looks cooler. So, yeah. and I'm the only person who will see it, but, Right. You know. Yeah, I can see that. I've I've done it. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it comes to like, I mean, there is the live situation in looping, which I I can imagine is just like a meticulous sort of sort of thing. But when it comes to the the recordings and in the studio and stuff like that, is it what's sort of the process there? Is it more is it more free or is it more kind of like focused? The recording process. Um, well, first of all, I have an amazing engineer. Um, uh, slash co-producer will reeves right up here in columbia he from centro cellar studio so, he is a great guy yeah he's a he's a wizard and um uh he and i work really well together the first album we kind of figured out a formula and the writing style has changed a lot since the first album but basically the computer becomes the loop station mm -hmm. um so we record everything live just like you would on anything else and then um, we had all the effects and stuff like that in the computer. And, and if it's something that needs to be looped, we'll just loop it through the computer. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's easier than it is to do live. You have a lot more, um, uh, options when you can right. take, remove certain things and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I've always been sort of a stickler in that, like I, even though I'm open to adding some effects to the album, I really like to be able to play a song out live and have it sound pretty similar to right. what it is in the album. So I try not to write songs with bridges that I can't play, you know, mm -hmm, right. I, with the, uh, with the loop station. I mean, there, fortunately the 300 has opened up things a little bit and it's a little easier to make like a bridge where you have meaning that I have a, a different chord progression than the rest of the song. Um, because if you can imagine when you start the idea and if you lay down a baseline with that idea, then you're pretty much stuck with it. Right. And so um, with the 300 now, I've got basically I can group things into things that I can take in and out and I don't have to have them necessarily synced up with one another. And so now I have a little bit more freedom, but um, either way, I still like to keep the songs in a way that I can still theoretically perform them live and so um i go into the studio with that frame of mind like i i definitely want to try to test out options but i always you know try to keep it within the within the confines of can i actually pull this off yeah <laughs> right yeah so when it comes to the writing process then how much of a role does that loop station play where it's just like okay is this something that i can just 
put into the loop station, it'll work great, or is it a case? I, th- this may have already been answered, um, or is it a case of, you know, I've got these two or three instrument lines, you know, guitar, fiddle, cello, um, you know, whatever it is that you may have come up with. Do you write with knowing that you have that loop station and knowing that it's like, okay, I can put this one in and then I can build off of that with this and, um, you know, maybe add a third line there? Or is it a case of you write like one line at a time, like one? It's a good question. I see what you're asking. Yeah. I, yeah. Words are hard sometimes. Yeah. No, that's okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of there. I, I feel like there are two different kinds of songwriters. There's the kind of songwriter who gets out an instrument and tests things out and then kind of goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the types of songwriters that also really work well with others. I'm, I don't play in the sandbox well with others. <laughs> I'm the op- other kind of uh, uh, songwriter where I hear everything in my head before it even gets started. So mm-hmm. I, wrote, I write a lot of my songs in the car with the radio off. And so um, it's formulated pretty well in my head before I even get home and try it out. Um, but that being said... Yes, the loop station does play a role in it. If it's a big orchestral cool thing that I'd like to do, but it can't be executed live, um, I'm not very likely to entertain that idea for very long because, you know, what I'm going to do with something like that. So um, so that what that tends to mean is are songs that are, you know, kind of characteristic of that build that we talked about earlier or, you know, um, that's why they're a lot of times meditative. Um, and because they, they just kind of tend to use those, those, those minimalist ideas. And, um, but you know, it's interesting cause you can see the two different loop stations that I had over the album because the first album, you don't have any bridges. Like I talk about those, the parts of the songs, like you have a verse and a chorus and a bridge and those usually have different chord progressions in them. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to my entire first album where all I had was that very basic loop station, it's just the same chord progression over and over mm-hmm. again in every song. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I started playing guitar on the second album and, um, being able to branch out and stuff like that with the band, um, that I had things like that. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the loop station to long story or short story long, the loop station plays a huge role in the songwriting. Okay. Um, do you, I guess, do you ever feel like, like when you're writing something, I mean, do, do you ever, do you ever get to a point where you, you, you really love something, but it becomes something that you can't play live, but it, there's, does that, I guess there's that frustration of, I got to dial this back or are you, are you the kind of person that just like lets an idea go and then, you know, evaluates it when it's done? Or is it like once I'm once, once I know that it's, it's not something I can play live. It's, I I don't, I don't mess with it anymore. It's probably the latter. Um, I, um, there have been a few ideas that I just thought were so great in the beginning. And then it just turned out that the execution just wasn't going to make it possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, the loop station is great, but the 300 is great. You, it allows you to store those things um, for later. And sometimes I'll revisit them, and sometimes I'll come up with something that makes it work. But there's a lot of stuff that gets tossed out the window. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Zach kind of touched on this a little bit when we had him on. Um, but he he was kind of talking about kind of your guys' process and collaboration. He said that there was it's a lot of um, you'll kind of build something up and then send it to him and then he'll kind of like lay his stuff down and then kind of send it back and you guys will kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Yep. But I'm interested to see like what your kind of perspective on 
um, cause you, you got, you kind of talked about how like it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much formed in your head yeah. and I'm wondering how that kind of translates to a collaboration with, you know, like Zach or somebody else. Well, fortunately, Zach is very patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, he's just a brilliant guitar player. And, is, um, yeah. you know, I think that uh, it's um, what I love. What I love about what Zach brings to the table is just taking it to the next level. So I'll have a song in my head and I'll get it worked out on the loop station. And I'll think, okay, that's a keeper, or maybe it's not, but whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So if it is a keeper, I'll say that's a keeper. And I'll send it over to him. And then this is where the way I write songs gets to be actually kind of a handicap because then I'm, I'll only hear it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so even adding drums at the, at first is, to mm-hmm. me, it's hard at first yeah. to wrap my hand, head around that difference. It's like, oh, that's not how I heard it at first, you right. know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, but what I love about it is that every time Zach adds something to it or adds an idea, it's just, it just works. It's like he totally understands the exact vibe that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. um, you know, and sometimes he just has a way of adding things that I didn't know I needed. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's nice. That's, 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 that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you guys just, I mean, you guys just did a, did a kind of a stint in Colorado, right? Yes. How was that? It was beautiful. Um, we did a lot of listening rooms, which was really helpful. Um, when we've got Danny, our drummer, um, it's loud and it's big and um, people can dance and do whatever. Um, it's still introspective. I still always consider my music pretty, you know, it's not a party kind of band. Yeah. But it's definitely um, a different animal when we have the drums. But when we travel around with the trio, which is what we did in Colorado, it's just myself and Kyle Day on bass and then Zach on guitar. And so we get pretty quiet at times. We start, especially the beginnings of songs, they start pretty quiet. And so it was really nice. We had rooms of people just came that were like for a concert. Mm-hmm. And so we felt like we really connected with people more than just like playing in a loud brewery or something like that. I hear you. Um, I don't, I, I'm asking that question mainly because I'm, I'm from Colorado. Oh. That's where I was born. I did so not. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was interested to see what What you, are you doing here then? <laughs> my uh, my dad got a job with the government and he moved us all out so um but yeah i was born in uh, colorado springs lovely yeah love that place um, it is beautiful but colorado always seems like a, a place uh it's kind of it's to, i always i when i look back i'm kind of like it's kind of like a big columbia like yeah, it's like I a statewide columbia yeah. it's just a lot of people kind of just appreciating um appreciating art and stuff like that so yes and yeah that is because i was in colorado in june on a family trip and we were just staying in this little tiny town that's you know probably about the size of downtown columbia Mm -hmm. as a whole um and yeah like you would think maybe it's just because I've, i've lived in the midwest most of my life but it's like you 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 know you're in columbia and then you go to like a smaller town and it's different yeah um I did not feel that way with Colorado. I'm not going to get into the specifics of it on on the air, um, <laughs> but I think you just did, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, I know a couple of people who would assume stuff, right? Um, if you know me well, you know uh, you know my opinions on things. Um, but it, yeah, it felt like even though that I was in this town that had maybe 500 people in it for a week, there was still like a culture there, like. Yeah. 
not d- dissimilar at all from what we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were people who were going out to the bars and they weren't just like, you know, small town sports bars. It was like, nope, we've got really nice breweries. We've got, you know, we've got an art gallery here. You know, it was, yeah, it was a really remarkable place. Yeah. It's good. It's nice to hear that you had a good experience there. So. It was. It's always a good experience. I think I counted on my hand. That's probably my fourteenth or fifteenth time in Colorado, and okay. um, for different reasons, you know. But um, it. It's always just been a, a, a wonderful experience out there, and every time I go, I meet new people that you know I try to stay in touch with, and um, it's a uh, the mountains, the weather. <laughs> yeah. In the summertime, I don't really. I'm I'm not a snow person, so about <laughs> this is about my cutoff for Colorado now. See, so. I, I love I love the snow. That's the one thing I, I hated about coming to Missouri is like whenever we get it, it's apocalyptic. But yeah. you know, it's never like an in between where I can like you know go Three outside inches. and yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that kind of transitions into a, a a question I always like to ask people because um, we're talking about Columbia, and it's a question I really like uh, asking. I mean, kind of everybody, um, but. What's because you've you've been playing for quite a while and you've kind of seen I mean all these different places I'm sure, um, but in terms of Columbia and kind of the mid Missouri scene, how have you kind of seen it develop over the past few year, few years and how have you kind of what's your kind of like you know um, experience and, and like the ups and downs I guess in mid Missouri. That's a good question. I think that. Um... So I live in Springfield, and I travel to Columbia a lot, so I almost consider myself having two hometowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're remarkably sim- similar in many ways, Springfield and Columbia. And so I kind of look at them as one big music scene, even though a lot of people consider them totally separate. But, I mean, I just have so many people that just move back and forth in between, you know, and it's just such an easy drive. But over the years, I, I would say that... A lot has changed, and then again, a lot hasn't. Um, I think that you know the bands have changed, um, and uh, the culture has changed just a little bit. But I've always just considered it being really rich with talent here. Mm-hmm. I just haven't ever, ever like wanted for music around here. Like if I've had a night off, I've always been able to go see something amazing. Yeah, and um, I don't. I don't know if it's. I mean, I've been to a lot of. I've traveled a lot, and. I don't know if it's like that everywhere and that's just, it just feels like it's, uh, special to us. Um, but it does feel like we have an especially, um, rich pool of talent in both of the cities around here. Um, one thing that, the only thing that does disturb me is that like, I, I wish that people would have a little bit more of an open mind to original music around here. Yeah. And that definitely is something that ebbs and flows. It seems like there'll be, times when people are really embracing it and then maybe that venue will shut down that people would have gone to and and then it doesn't revive itself anywhere else or something like that it just always seems like uh it's harder to get people out to see bands that play original music than it is um for you know a cover band or you know even just uh something else but um one of the things I've been very encouraged about is the the growth of house concerts. Yeah. Um, I um, that that wasn't a thing whenever I first started playing, and that's a really wonderful way to not only connect with your audience but also to um, you know actually 
profit from the show instead of sinking your entire life savings into, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> getting right. there right. and promoting it and making $30, you know? Right. So, um, you got to take the good with the bad, but house concerts have been a wonderful development. I love that. Um, and I do also just love the fact that it's just getting more diverse. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's, there's been a couple sort of organizations that kind of kind of come through Columbia and it's weird because I'm blanking on the name, but, uh, it starts with an S I think so far, so far, mm-hmm. that's it. Um, so I, they're kind of coming in cause I think they've got, a, a, a I guess, a, a parts in Columbia now. We have one on November 9th. You have, are you, mm-hmm. and you guys are playing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, shows so. what I know. Right. Um, oh, well, we haven't really advertised. I don't know. This, it'll be my first one and I'm about to get in contact with her. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what kind of marketing we need to do for those shows. Mm-hmm. I think most of it's done through them, which is yeah. kind of the allure of it. You know? Right. And there's the whole like kind of underground vibe, I guess, yeah. to it too. I'm looking forward to it. I've never yeah. done one and um, uh, they say it's a... It's 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 kind of a nice packed house concert that you play and and one of those moments where you really get to connect with your fans. So. Yeah, it's almost to me it kind of reminds me of kind of like the uh, the MTV's Unplugged, but yeah, minus the MTV right moniker, <laughs> right? And the, and the, weird, <laughs> the weird like candle setups and all yeah. that. Maybe I'm just thinking of the ones from the '90s. The, oh like, no, we're gonna bring watch. our own candles. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to make like a Coke commercial right in the middle of it or right. something like right. that. Right. Well, they're owned by Coke, right? The MTV? No, so far. Are they? I do believe. I have no idea. I did not know that. Yeah, wow. it's something that's, it, they are, um, it is something that's connected with a big, I want to say it's Coke. So okay. that's very <laughs> serendipitous <laughs> that you Sorry said that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to call you out <laughs> right. so far. It's the, it's the internet watching us. They're sending the yeah, vibes right. to your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, the FBI surveillance van outside our apartment is, uh, is pinging really hard. Yeah. Right Coca-Cola tastes really good. Yeah. Um, don't, don't kill Share me. Share a Coke. Share a Coke. Yeah. Pop up Coke today. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just, if you want to send me some, I'll take the caffeine-free kind, please. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's that's a that's a really interesting perspective, and I like I don't want to go too much into the. I mean, diversity is an important thing to talk about, um, but I don't want to like I don't want to ask the stupid question like what does it feel like to be a woman in the music industry and all that. That's uh, not a stupid question. <laughs> I, sometimes sometimes I feel weird about asking that, and it's like I don't know. Uh, it seems like a, it seems like a kind of generic question that I could probably expand on a little bit more, I guess. But um, what, 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 what's kind of your opinion and, and the ebb and flow of the, the, the diversity in Colombia? Well, um, we still have a long way to go. There's that. Yeah. Um, I think everywhere uh, with um, women being treated the way that um, men are as far as, you know, there's, I don't know how many times I've walked into a club and rather than, we got y'all set up. We're all ready to go. It's holding the door. Can I help you with that? Are you okay? Can, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. I, it's just an immediate vibe of I'm not strong enough to handle my own equipment yeah. or um, I don't know what I'm doing with my own sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I will say that for the most part, you know, once we get that out of the way and even if that happens at all, um, I've been treated with respect in almost everywhere that I've played. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think I run into too many people that actively disrespect me as a woman in the music business. Um, so, but then again, I 
there's there's so many times that us girls don't really know if we are getting paid less than the men right. that you know and you don't really have a way of knowing that so there's always that out there mm-hmm. um but i've always felt especially with the people that i've dealt with i've been very lucky for the most part to be uh treated with respect to be you know, rather than assuming that I know nothing when I walk in, assuming that I know everything and then finding out and starting off on that kind of foot. Um, and as far as what people listen to, um, and whether the audience reception, I'm still just trying to feel that out. I don't know that there's, uh, a difference between me and my male counterparts as far as when we travel and whether or not I would be uh, I would have more people come to my shows, for instance, if I were a guy, um, or maybe it's the opposite. I just don't know. Um, but, uh, I don't deal with that, um, as a, an oppressive thing very often, but I do think it still exists and it still needs to be worked on. Right. Um, there's, there, I mean, there's been stories that I've kind of heard, I mean, kind of in Colombia and a couple of experiences I've, I've, I've not myself dealt with, but kind of heard secondhand about, and, um, you hear, I think you hear a lot there's, I mean, there's still issues and it's always, a, it's always going to be a conversation, I think, but, um, hopefully not after a while. Hopefully I mean, not. I mean, yeah. hopefully, hopefully one day we get to a place where we don't have to have the conversation, right. yeah. but, um, but I think, um, at least from my perspective and I mean, I mean, I have the, the bias of, of not having a lot of those experiences, but it seems like it feels it feels like Columbia's getting to be a more inclusive place as far as this music and scene is concerned, maybe. Um, I think that it, it, in Springfield and Columbia both, I think what we've got is we've got a very polarized <laughs> situation <laughs> developing, and that's what worries me is that there's, there is definitely a strong movement towards equality and, you know, tolerance of not just women, but, you know, the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. or, you know... Um, people of color, musicians of color. And, um, but so there's a strong, um, grouping towards, you know, making that just be the way it is. But then there's also this, especially around <laughs> here, there's just seems to be this, this very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? Well, resilient, um, kind of, uh, uh, lashback to that. Yeah. Um, and, and you you see it more online than you do out in the wild, but I I see yeah, it's and, there. and that's the that's kind of the heartbreaking thing about it is that like I mean, it's one one of the things that always really kind of depressed me is that like a, a lot of people talk about how like you know uh, women performers always you know blow blow the men off the stage, but it's like why do they have to? you know, blow the men off the stage to get respect. And you know, the thing that really bugs me is especially with Spotify. Like, so I'll go on Spotify and I'll search a woman artist and, um, and maybe she is, uh, you know, I, I'm, I can't think of any examples right off the top of my head, but a woman artist Mm -hmm. and she's rock and roll. Um, and so I'll go to her radio station and Spotify will group in every <laughs> mm-hmm. other genre of music as long as it's sung by a woman. It's all female. Mm. And so to me, it's like what is happening there is looking at women as a genre of music in and of itself, as if that somehow was yes. some sort yeah. of descriptor of music. Like what on earth makes women's music a 
you know why what, is that a genre what does right. that mean yeah. <laughs> is, right. is it folk music is it rock music what are you talking about and then it's just not that way with with male musicians and that is definitely where I think we have a lot of work to do I'm, I'm appreciative that people look at women who make music and they're trying to make it more of a thing but I don't appreciate being lumped in with every single other woman right. artist right. as if as, that is a as genre if it were itself. like just yeah, yeah. like a, a genre one a, of the, a box of itself. Yeah. One of the yeah. funniest experiences I think I ever had in a conversation like that was someone was talking about like, uh, it was one of those like typical like, oh, what are you listening to? Kind of like, you know, conversations. And it was like, I was really into the band Wolf Alice. Um, they are yeah. due for another album they, soon. And I am I am ready them. for it. I love that band. I need band. to check them out. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. amazing. We saw them live. What was that? Like two summers ago? Something yeah, like that? Oh my God, that was an amazing show. Wow, okay. Right. Um, but they... um. Uh, the the conversation uh, I was really into Wolf Alice, and then the uh, the person I was talking to was like, "Yeah, I'm into I'm been you know listening to like jazz and stuff like that." And then I was like, "Yeah, I've been listening to this band Wolf Alice," and they're like, "Oh, that's that's that chick rock band," and I'm like. The, is, like they're what? a rock right. What is like, a chick that, rock, that's a, band. That's a rock <laughs> band? Right. How about a rock? Like they're a right. rock band. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's but, yeah. the when you describe music, you use descriptive words. You don't use the right. You don't right. use the the color, the gender, right. the person. Right, exactly. It, I it mean, I don't ever hear about dude rock. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, yeah, there's some bands that I would definitely associate <laughs> with that, but like that's a definitive genre, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's that's to me, dude rock is like a is a descriptor because most of the music is a celebration of being a white dude. Right. I mean, that's that's like we're talking about like like Nickelback. Nickelback. <laughs> there we go. Oh like first, like leading off Nickelback. <laughs> that was the Shine first. Down. That was the first band that came to mind. I'm like those guys. Those uh, guys. We just lost thirty percent of our listeners. So. Right. They're just like, oh god. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Those guys don't listen to us anymore. I know. Right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, that's that's I I mean we've never really had a conversation like that on uh, on the podcast, and it's I I it's something I appreciate I, you opening the subject. I mean, we got to talk about these things. Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's definitely something that it want, I think it's going to be a conversation for a while. But one thing I can I mean I, I I think objectively is that we're all kind of like here to hear music, you know, and right. if the music's good. Yeah, talent is talent. Too. Yeah. So we could just get past that. <laughs> right, <laughs> that would be exactly. great because I think we're all in the same place. Right. Um, and one thing I, I noticed when we were uh, when we went to the show is that there was, I mean, uh, there was a, I mean, I was too busy paying attention kind of, but when I would kind of like look away and kind of like appreciate the audience and kind of what they were doing, it's a very, very diverse sort of, you know, people that are, are interested in your music, you know. Thank is, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... I mean, I, I, I've played in bands before and I know what it's like to have like, you know, like five sweaty dudes in the audience who are like really, really into you. And then it's just like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I will take five sweaty dudes. I'll take five sweaty women. I, I, I don't, I, I appreciate having any member of the audience there. So I think as far as the audience goes, I'm just happy when people come see me play. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's a good. That's a good yeah. way to way, good way to put it. Um, and uh, so we're probably going to round out here soon. But um, I'm I'm interested in this because we don't really talk about this a lot too either. Um, we never really ask people like what kind of. I mean, what 
I want to talk about like what you're kind of like listening to right now, but um, we try to work that in. We try to work it in. Sometimes we (laughs) kind of like go off on a tangent. It's what happens. (laughs) Right, like what you're what you're kind of digging or whatever. But uh, before I before we get into that, like I'm interested to hear like you've talked about the the YouTube video that you kind of that kind of like you know blew your mind or whatever. But the um, as far as like uh, artists specifically that you are inspired by. yeah. Are, there, are there any big ones that you're kind of... Sure. Absolutely. Um, Andrew Bird, of course. Um, mm. He is... Uh, his. He went through an entire looping phase um, and uh, where he would just do solos of shows and just loop, and it would just be himself. Um, and it would be just this magical, sparkling kind of, you know. And now he's put it back with his band, and they, they integrate the loop station, but it's it's a lot more organic now with the with the other musicians on the stage, mm-hmm. which is what I'm going for with my band. So yeah. uh, he's definitely been a huge template for me. Um, his newest, his most recent album, the My Finest Work Yet. Yeah. It's a great album. It is. It yeah. is. He's always just been so brilliant to me. I mean, he's just a prodigy of a violinist. And then mm-hmm. you put those quirky lyrics. Yeah. To, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, then as far as cello goes, uh, Zoe Keating has been a huge influence of mine. She does looping as well. It's all instrumental. It's a little bit more uh, classical, not classical, but um, with the instrumental aspect of it, it's just a little bit more um, cerebral, I guess is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but um and then, but radio, you mentioned Radiohead and they've been a huge influence on me. Um, mm-hmm. just a lot of that nineties, uh, definitely not the nineties pop, but when you get into like bands like, uh, Radiohead and even nine inch nails, um, just stuff like that. It's uh, funny ma- because massive to- attack. Yeah. I was totally getting <laughs> those vibes too. <laughs> Thanks. I was like, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, you know, I really love the kind of music, um, and uh, so those have been a huge influence. But then, of course, I just really can't deny the the other two roots, which are also vastly different as well. There's, there's the classical, and um, I still listen to a lot of classical music. I still play a lot of classical music. Bach, um, Bach's counterpoint is a huge influence, I think, on the minimalism and the kind of looping stuff mm-hmm. that we do, which is you taking lines of music that don't necessarily, you're not talking about like block chords all the time. You're taking moving lines and putting them together. And that's a lot, uh, that's exactly what looping is. So right. comes straight from the, uh, the 1700s. And, um, then, but also just my, uh, my folk roots that I've been doing for the last 20 years <laughs> blend themselves. So I, I listen to a ton of, you know, rootsy bands. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, anytime someone runs Radiohead on the podcast and says they're into Radiohead, I have to ask the Radiohead <laughs> question. Um, what is your favorite Radiohead album? I really think it's probably Hail to the Thief. Wow. Yeah. That's a fringe. We've never had that answer before. Really? That's a fringe <laughs> choice. Yeah. Um, I, I've always loved that one. Just that, that opening of the album is just, when I'm on the highway, there's just almost nothing better. <laughs> that's that's true. I think, uh, I always butcher the name, but well, the one track that always sticks out on that album to me is uh, Mixomitosis. Yeah. Or yeah. Something, something uh, to that. I think two that's plus the two name. equals five. And it's a great I, one. It's, it's just a, from, from front to start, or from, Beginning to end is just a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I always fluctuate between either OK Computer or In Rainbows, which I guess are like the, the generic, you know, choices. Oh, I wouldn't but... say that. I mean, they're just, they're, it's just, they're, they're, they're that, they're that famous because they're that good. Right. Yeah. 
I was like having Radiohead fans on. <laughs> <laughs> actually, when we went with a funny story, when we went to see that band Wolf Alice, we went with my dad and who's very Bill, much not a fan who was, of Radiohead. Who was very much not a fan of Radiohead. And the entire car ride home from St. Louis, it was him, B- this guy, and my I dad. I have a name. Thank you. No. <laughs> they know your name. <laughs> um, this guy and and my dad just giving me just so much shit. For I, I will admit head. wrongdoing really? in that um, because there was a point where it's like you you were. I can't remember if this is on something that that you've put out already of your own music, but it was like yeah, like I'm I'm doing this thing and it's sort of remind. I can't even remember what Radiohead album it was, and you wanted me to listen to it. I was like okay, so I listened to something off of that album and i was like you know i was tur- i was i was on the wrong side of this issue yeah um so well I, I i will not claim to be as big a fan as you because i i can't lie yeah um don't lie i i will admit respect for radiohead it is not something that i would like deliberately put on just be like oh yeah like i'm gonna jam this album right now but i see their merit and i am no longer a hater okay I, I, I want that crossed over from the dark side. Right, exactly. <laughs> I now you're an enlightened Radiohead fan. Now I don't want to be. Um, yeah. Now that you put it that way, it's a, it's a tough life, man. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. You gotta live it, man. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> just wear it with you pride because right. a lot of people are gonna give you shit. For right, it. you gotta bleed. <laughs> Next the show I go to after this, I'm gonna get like you know approached by like three or four people and be like, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, is then in uh, topping off? Is there anything you're kind of digging? Right right now that you're you're into kind of music wise um you know it's been okay so that brings up just i'm not gonna open up a can of worms but um you can I like, open as many right. can of worms well, as you want on this are show. you guys experiencing spotify fatigue because i am <laughs> I, a it's a bit. thing it's like it's like you have this entire um just you have access to the entire world's worth of music out there on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. And I find myself in the car not knowing what the heck to listen to. Right. I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, and so, yes, I've been listening to things, but, and there have been a lot of great new artists that I've been listening to, um, but I'm having trouble keeping track of them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I just listen to nothing in the car. Um, so I know that's a little depressing. I really, I'm, I, but I've been listening to a lot of you know local artists that are putting out albums. They're just yeah. people putting out albums in Springfield and, and in Columbia both that I've just been you know uh, I dig I, every time I'm in the car and can listen to one of those CDs or listen to it on Spotify. That's a lot of times what I go to because it's mm. just to me that's just I connect a lot with that music um, more often than not. But I mean, there's definitely been a lot of stuff that has come out that I've been listening to. Like Shaky Graves was one of the guys that just yeah. mm-hmm. randomly, I don't know. I I like to listen to uh, solo artists that can fill up a room with their own, with just themselves. And he's one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's kind of been a more on the rootsy um, aspect of it. I listened a lot to the Lion King soundtrack. That's, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> So. It's funny because like 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 we're we're talking about composers and stuff like that, and to me, Hans Zimmer is the oh the, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. I um, um I want to be I I have toyed with you. I've actually scored a movie already now, and um I have toyed with the idea of doing that, but then I just 
I pretty every anytime I think about it, I quickly put it down because I'm like, I'm never gonna be like Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because we talk about the minimalist thing. He's a he's yeah. a, a proprietor he, of minimalism. He does he does a really good job with that. And um, I just if you just shuffle his music on Spotify, you can just while away hours and hours. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I think uh, the the Inception soundtrack is the one that kind of kind of pers- persists for it's me. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. The Batman is the Batman's are good. Yeah, um, they're all just. The Martian was really good too. Yeah, um, I and I did the, the half of the movies that he's done. I had no idea he did. So like, you I didn't him, know he did Lion King. I didn't until know, this movie yeah, came out. <laughs> right. I didn't even. I didn't really even like see the new one. And like, it's I, okay. Is it okay? <laughs> it, it's it's not life changing, and it's it was definitely one of those situations where why did you even have to? Yeah, I yeah. I, I feel like like the Lion King is like my like that was the first movie I ever saw as a kid. That's like the, that was the first movie too. that my mom and dad took me it's to. It's perfection, and yeah. it's, there's just no reason to. Yeah, no reason. You have these animals, this, these CGI animals that can't make uh, facial expressions. Right. And part of the reason that an, an, the Lion King was so successful is not because it's a fuzzy animal story, but it's because it's a very human story, and right. they're they're basically it's humans that are having the problems, and they have expressions, and so all of that was taken out with the live action and it's just really troubling when you see Simba watching his dad die and he has this deadpan look on his face. <laughs> right. It's just so, you know, it's so it, sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Uh, I, and I, I was a little curious, but I, I just, I think I just never got to it. I was really hyped for it too. Me too. Like that trailer, they, they showed it and then they showed like, I think, I think what really killed it for me was seeing Pumbaa. I was yeah. like, he's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a warthog. The, right. the warthog. He does, he's not like a cute so warthog well. anymore. No, yeah. he, he looks like he looks. What was that meme that was going around on Twitter about the the three hundred like three to five wild hogs or something like that? I, it I was don't like have a, it was Twitter around the, it was like the gun debate thing. Someone was like, "How am I supposed to defend my kids from the the wild hogs that come around to my yard?" And, and yeah, it was it was a whole thing, but. They kept showing pictures of Puma in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a time. When I was a young warthog. Yeah. Right. Um, I, uh, yeah, that's that's all awesome. Um, it's nice to hear another to meet another Hans Zimmer appreciator. <laughs> um, he's the best. Yeah, he's so good. Um, cool. Well, what um, what kind of stuff do you have coming up? Um, you talked about the So Far show. Um, which has yet to be kind of put out there, but is there November 9th? Um, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I haven't gotten a Facebook event up or anything like that yet, but that's November 9th here in Columbia. Um, we have, uh, um, a show coming up today. I don't don't know when this podcast airs, but, um, we're doing the donut fest this weekend in Rushport. Um, we have a couple of shows in the area coming up, uh, in a couple of weeks on October 18th, we'll be in Jeff city at uh the mission and then on october 19th we have we do shows with um acrobats which is really cool mm-hmm. with um, the yeah yeah the aerialists I, yeah um and springfield aerial fitness specifically and wonderful wonderful people there at that organization and they do um we do about every three months we do a show together um and that's coming up on october 19th in springfield and then um the biggest thing that's on my horizon that I'm going to be tied up with over the next six months is um, I've become kind of, well, I don't know if it's an environmentalist is a good word for it, but um, I am uh, really uh, trying to do my part as far as um, climate change goes. And um, so I've been trying to cook up ways 
to uh, use my music to make the world a better place. Um, and so the solution we came up with about two months ago with my daughter, actually, um, was to have a music festival that was um, used as a benefit to donate money to local environmental organizations um, and have it be plastic-free, leave no trace, um, and sort of also a sustainability education festival. And so that is actually a reality now. Wow, so, that's amazing. Um, it's in Springfield, so it's not around here, but I mean, it, it'll be worth the trip, I think, if anybody is interested in going. It's the Earth Day 2020. It is the 50th anniversary of the celebration itself next year. Okay. Um, it's the year 2020. It's an election year. Yep. Also, And mm-hmm. it's also, you know, the climate crisis has gotten... A little um, out of hand. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's it's very timely. And so um, we're doing it on April 25th. Um, and the band is, of course, playing. And uh, so we'll be um, gearing up for... I mean, I'm going to be spending a lot of time gearing up for that. Yeah. Of course, we'll be playing at Rose, I'm sure, before then. And um, as soon as I get on the date, a date on the calendar. And that's kind of where we, we typically play when we're in Columbia. And um, so... And then I'd have just a bunch of random solo stuff. Okay. Well, uh, we'll be sure to uh, to keep an eye out for that. MollyHealy.com. Uh, MollyHealy.com. There you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of your music is on Spotify and uh, Apple Music, I yep. believe. Yep. Um, I, I, I do the Apple Music thing, so the Spotify fatigue I don't really uh, uh, subscribe to. I have Apple this, Music fatigue, which is the same thing. But, yeah. You know, it's the, I mean, I guess it's... I don't know much about Apple Music. It's 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 kind of the, just the exact same thing, but yeah. there's like less waves of like them suggesting music to you. And if they do, it's like, do you want to hear the newest mumble rapper? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Um, but yeah, um, be on the lookout for that, everybody that's listening. Um, that uh, the the Earth Day 2020 in Springfield sounds like an amazing. April twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. So be sure to look out for that. Um, that's going to be a big show. Um, if we can make the drive, I, I would yeah. love to. So, um, but yeah, um, thank you so much, Molly. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. This has been a blast. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we will see you guys next week, um, and we'll call it a day. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. See Bye. Ya. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.